podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's morning podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at More Over Podcast, More Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our podcasts on uh, Apple Pods, on the Google Store, on Spotify, and lots of other good podcatchers, especially Anchor, where you can make and produce your own podcasts if you wish. Um, we're back. I, th- I think this is punching chat ten, so that just goes to show how long punching this has been going for. This is punching chat X. Um, so yeah, how mad's that that we've actually managed to scrape this content, the the <laughs> barrel of punching chat content for ten weeks, and people still moderately enjoy it. Um, we're joined obviously by the nicest man in podcasting, Ben Eustace. Uh, the Chinese lensman who everybody Fuck loves. <laughs> the, the curmudgeon that's a Chinese lensman. Um, Adam is going to keep this ship moving forward, hopefully. And we are joined live from... This is international punching chat. This is European punching chat. It's like the Champions League of punching chats. Because all the way from Bucharest, um, who appeared on a Wallover podcast, which I believe never actually went to air... Um, where he took the time to explain all sorts of stuff about rugby in Romania. Um, friend of Ben and former university university together. Is that is that where the connection is? That's it, mate. Yeah. It's uh, Bristol Bears fan, Lloyd Collins. Certainly am. Um, also go. a Southampton SC fan, also a Hampshire cricket fan. But don't let the inanely Welsh name give it away. Oh, no. <laughs> hell no. <laughs> there couldn't be there couldn't be many many you know other than Yian Evans maybe you know Lloyd Evans uh, Lloyd Collins is right up there with Yian Evans isn't it as far as Welsh names go yeah um, I think my what my parents told me for some reason they named me after my um, godfather and his surname's Lloyd he's from up in Leeds that's what it is apparently so oh. there it is there you go right uh, we're on a we're on a tight time scale we need to get this done, so let's go, Adam. After you. Okay. Well, I won't. I won't mess about and uh, won't mess about with any small talk. That's for sure. Let's get straight into it. Rugby question to start, and this one is from I don't know this person's name, but they've got a catchy at on Twitter, which is at akawd40, um, and the question is: Given the lack of strength and conditioning. Oh, yeah, there was me going to be all catchy and I can't even get over my own tongue. We're never Give... getting out of here in 50 minutes, are we? <laughs> Fuck me. Well, you are. Do it. We, we are if you're not in the final, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Given the lack of... So Doug's in the final. <laughs> if Doug doesn't want to get to the final and Russell's here, it could just be me and Lloyd straight away. We could say 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah, anything... Yeah, you... Yeah. You're not getting Stop out of here. Stop trying to make small talk and ask the fucking question. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> that's what I was doing. And here we are. Given the lack of strength and conditioning monitoring during lockdown, that's actually really hard to say. Um, so I'm not going to say it again. Which rugby players may need more than six weeks? Oh, Jesus. 
Let me do it for you. Which rugby players need more than six weeks to get fit? There you go. Thank you. Name a fat rugby player. Go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, with that in mind, Russ starts off. Well, I'm going to say that not one of them, because from what I've seen uh, in lockdown, is pretty much every rugby professional doing online fitness classes, Zoom meetings, and fitness stuff. Nobody's actually been throwing a rugby ball around, so they're all going to be in the same boat with dick fingers. And Kieran Brooks is still going to be a fat shit. So, uh, you know, props are going to be props. Backs are going to be backs. And it might be back to the the slightly more old school rugby where you can tell a player's position by his physique. Yes. Yes. We all love those days. We do. All right, Ben. Um. This was a tricky question until this morning, and number one on my list was me. Um, <laughs> um, Mr. Mr. Dan Carter uh, is making a comeback. He's 38 years old. He's been playing in Japan. He hasn't played a game of rugby since well before lockdown. So uh, he's, if he's going to be playing super rugby in the next couple of weeks, he's probably going to need a couple of weeks to acclimatise. So I'm sure he will. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he will too. <laughs> Okay, um, Dougie. Uh, Kieran Brooks. I know Russ started shouting my chips a bit, but he did, didn't he? if that fucker still hasn't eat him. been, <laughs> he's just been just just been getting. <laughs> I've just got that. <laughs> Single-handedly keeping just eating business. And why that isn't a hookup, I don't know why. All um, of the chicken. Yeah. Do you remember when he liked um, my tweet when I said Kieran Brooks ate all of the chickens? Yeah. Do you remember when he also liked my tweet say, after he moved from Saints to Wasps for reportedly stupid amounts of money that I said he had the best agent in the world? <laughs> <laughs> but Kieran Brooks, because he's fat. <laughs> <laughs> Beautifully subtle nuanced answer there. Okay, and we'll, f- we'll finish with Lloyd. Okay, so I looked at this question and I thought, ah, everyone's going to go for fat people. But there's <laughs> another way you can be fit, and that's mentally fit. So I have picked the whole of Gloucester Rugby. Not just the players, the entire organisation. Well, normally this time of year, we would have just experienced the annual uh, thing of Gloucester as inevitable as death and taxes screwing up right at the end of the season, either collapsing spectacularly before the playoffs and finishing sixth, or getting into the playoffs and crashing out against Exeter or Saracens. But they've had a chance to do that. So in the meantime, in, that, in this hiatus we've had, they've decided just to melt down as a club and organisation. Ackerman has gone. Uh, they've just got rid of Humphreys. There is the possibility of um, uh, Rob Howley joining this organisation. The Little That's Mix concert <laughs> has been cancelled at King's Park. Did, did Howley have a bet on him? On <laughs> and, and last but not least, uh, Danny Cipriani is definitely not going to be ready. I mean, he's probably buzzing around his house like a toddler on Haribo. There's no way that, that, that those group of players and that organisation is going to be ready in six weeks. <laughs> we will find out in due course. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Exeter there just briefly. Um, last week was the 
see, this is how we go on Punching Chat. We don't do anything current. Last week was the 10th anniversary of Exeter being promoted to the Premiership. Um, so what's the best rags to riches story in sports? And Douglas, start us off. Oh, shit. I better look for my answer, don't I? <laughs> yeah, uh... you better. <laughs> I could go to someone nice else, sport, but... Nice you no, dead air is a crime. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll wait as long as you. It's fine. <laughs> Can we talk about the pedestrianisation? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, and now, and now the answer is going to be real shit. Um, uh, a bloke. <laughs> oh fuck off! Rob Cross. There you go. Next. <laughs> More like Doug Cross. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that was that was so good. And if you think it means you're getting out of the final, you might still have another thing coming. <laughs> right, Lloyd. Okay. Uh, that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll try. So uh, my my pick here is Nottingham Forest, circa late seventies, early eighties. A proper rags to riches story. So I'm going to take you back to 1975. Um, Brian Clough has just joined Nottingham Forest after the Barkle at Leeds. He and um, Peter Taylor get together. They, they round up a, a ragtag bunch of sort of pros that everyone thinks are past it, some promising youngsters, and they get promoted. Not only do they just get promoted, but the following season, they win the league. Not only do they win the league that, um, that season, we also won the League Cup. Following season, what do they do? They march through Europe and they win the European Cup. And what do they then do the following season? They, reta- they may um, retain the European Cup. That is a proper rags to riches story. I would say that we'll never see the likes of that again. Uh, and as someone who's a Southampton fan, you know, um, I can only dream of, of my team ever doing that. But we're now in modern football where big clubs take all those good players. Clubs like mine... Clubs like Nottingham Forest, clubs like you know Norwich, they're not allowed nice things anymore. They're not allowed to do have nice things in football. The big boys take them away. So go back, relive those amazing times. Um, if you've not seen the film about this, it's called I Believe in Miracles. It is a fantastic way to spend an hour and a half. I should point out that in Nottingham Forest's case, it's a rags to riches to rags story. Let's face yeah, it. Yeah, but, you know, there's a question there. <laughs> I'll yeah, stand by no, it. No, it's a good answer. I like it. Okay, Russell. Um, talking about, well, sort of talking about rags to riches to rags stories, I want to draw your attention to a certain Diego Maradona. Um, what you might not might not know about Maradona is he grew up in the uh, in the the slums of Argentina in in a place called Villa Ferito, where he shared a room with seven brothers or sisters. Um, when Russia's he was a toddler, again. no, he hasn't. But <laughs> when he was when he was a toddler, Maradona fell into the family cesspit after losing his way in the dark. We've all done it. Fortunately, his uncle, his uncle found him, right? So when he was a toddler, his uncle found him uh, screaming. He goes, Diego, keep your head above the shit. Uh, And he was on hand to rescue the youngster. So, you know, (laughs) to go on to do what he did after nearly drowning in a cesspit as a toddler is uh, is pretty remarkable. And then he got his hand above the shit that was Peter Shilton. 
<laughs> Careful, yeah. Doug. You don't don't try and don't get yourself too many points. Um, do you know what I mean? Uh, ben, finish us off, and I'm no Stop regret saying, saying that. No, um, I'm not going to. Notably, you always ask Ben to finish you off. I'm only human, mate. <laughs> I'd be surprised if it wasn't Phil. Yeah. <laughs> um, the crazy gang have beaten the culture club. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's Wimbledon. It, I mean, this is rags to riches to Milton Keynes. Really. <laughs> um, so they were elected to the league in 1977. Um, elected the to the league. Yeah, that's how it worked back then. Yeah, you had to please the suits. Um, they uh, pinged around the bottom two leagues for a little while. Then they won the fourth in 1983, the third in 1984, the second in 1986. And then by 1988, they'd won the FA Cup, uh, beating Liverpool, who were at the time probably the best team in the league. This is the first sporting game I can remember watching. Um, and, uh, yeah, very rugged style. And they stayed in the Premiership very respectably until 2000. Um, apparently they had it written in to cert- certain players' contracts that if they lost by more than four goals, they were contractually obliged to attend an opera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that is superb. Um, yeah, I don't know if anyone saw the some of the Match of the Day stuff recently with the Gary Lineker and Ian Wright and Shearer. Um, and there's there's like a a top 10 theme each week, but they pretty much just get together and have a natter. And they, I was slightly surprised. They really weren't that complimentary about Wimbledon. Like they really, really hated playing them. And they had a, they hated being roughed up, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. But you think in that time, those players would have been used to being roughed up. Like everybody forgets, like Steve McMahon used to go around kicking people. And in that final, Vinnie Jones nearly decapitated him in the first 30 seconds. And he was whinging about it, but that was what he used to do. He was, he was an enforcer, a hard man. I I think, you know, it was just unfashionable. Apparently when, um, when John Scales was there, he sort of unthinkingly, called someone a puff in training and he said the next thing you knew J- john fashion had absolutely leveled him the um other thing is plow lane isn't it their home ground it was an absolute toilet of a, of a ground to go to they um deliberately made the showers cold you know it was a pretty nasty place to play it was a pudding of a bitch you know so i think that as well yeah, that plow lane pitch was not good, was it? Yeah. Leveller. Pitch is a leveller. <laughs> All right. Quick quick look at the scores, which I'm only doing now because they're so ridiculous. Uh, ben, you're on 35. Lloyd on 27. Russ on 20. And Doug on one. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Next up is the platinum jiffy bag question. And if you match my answer... You never know. One day it might happen properly. Um, there'll be nine bonus points if you do. And yeah, we pandered to the host a bit a couple of weeks ago with my final round, which went it was apparently a bit of controversy. But Phil's not here, so it, there wasn't any controversy. Um, so this question is, who is sport's greatest Adam? And Lloyd, let's start with yourself. Okay, so uh, a bit of background to this. I got roped into this this morning. So my first choice was rebuffed. 
And I think we will probably we'll probably hear the one. I bet I bet all of our first choice was exactly the same. Yeah, I would have thought so. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna read out some statistics to just give you the picture of this guy. His test average is ten point eight. His ODI average is twenty five point two five. And his first club average is 38.754. His bowling average in test is 33.5. And his ODI uh, bowling average is 31.84. That doesn't sound that great. But greatness. Greatness. But his brother died in a car crash. Statistics. And I think you should bear that in mind when we hear some of the guys later on. Because I think my competitors here have gone down the stats route. No, no, no. You need to go down the route where you've got someone who's got guts, grits, and made use of every single bit of talent he had. I am going to put forward here is the greatest sporting Adam, Adam Hollyoke. Okay, so Adam Hollyoke was identified as a leader very, very early. He was made captain of Surrey in 1997 to 2003. Um, he was made England ODI captain after the debacle of the Cricket World Cup in 1996. If we remember the World Cup cricket in 1996, that the highlight for England was Neil Smith vomiting on the wicket. That's the highlight of that. <laughs> um, and and the promotional single came out after England got knocked out. That's 99. No, that's stop getting the World Cup wrong, Ben. Ah, <laughs> oh, shocking! But you're also forgetting. Is he now not on M- take on MMA fighting and I'm, stuff like that? I'm getting to that. Go. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> he he took England to uh, a ODI trophy. Okay, the Sharjah Trophy uh, back in, in 1997 and was dropped after the two, uh, 1999 World Cup. Um, obviously, he had tragedy in his life. His brother was a highly talented, Ben Holyoke, um, really, you know, died before his time, really tragic. Um, he came back after that and led Surrey to three championships. After he stopped doing playing cricket, he went away and he went to charity work for a foundation. Uh, in his brother's honest, honest um, honor, my brain's not working. And he did uh, took part of what was known as the journey. This journey consisted of him walking from Edinburgh to Brighton. That would have been well enough to raise some money, but no, no, no. He then gets in a boat and sails across to Dieppe. He then cycles from Dieppe to Gibraltar and then rows from Gibraltar to Tangier. That is grit that is determination that is greatness that is someone who doesn't like his wife <laughs> where do i sign up he um he did go bankrupt in 2010 and he picked himself up off the floor and he went into mna mixed martial arts and he drew his first game um his first game? fight and he's now coaching of a game of MMA. afghanistan the t20 team the boost defenders and he's now coaching england lions as well I present to you Adam Holyoke, the greatest Adam in sport. It's not about stats. It's not about natural talent. It's about <laughs> grit and determination. He was a weird guy, I thought. He, he had the, a certain arrogance, but didn't, didn't quite back that up. wasn't even the best Holyoke. No, no, you're right. You are, you're, I, I agree. And we all, we all know, we all know that's just outside of Chester. <laughs> <laughs> he was He's the M53. Great cricketer. I present you Adam Holyoke. Yeah. Love that. He he appeared for he played for Surrey his yeah almost his whole career, um, except he he rocked up for Essex to play T Twenty. I think after he retired, he came out. He thought I'll have a have a go at this. Um, 
I, I haven't looked this up at all. It's just off, off the top of my head. But this is how my brain remembers what he did. His first innings, he came into bat. He hit his first delivery for six. And I don't reckon he faced more than three more balls for Essex in his career. That was it. Was, that was it. Um, just, yeah, turned up. Cash's check on his way again. He, he played three games for Essex in T20s. He, he played in a charity match and, and hit a few and... and... Took a few wickets, thought, I can still do this. So rocked up at Essex and they threw him a few games. <laughs> yeah. Um, lovely stuff. Right. Uh, Russ, go next. Sports greatest Adam. Um, well, my answer was also taken. And I knew when I almost, when the, uh, when the questions came out, I almost messaged straight away to I'll, snare I'll the what, answer. You're stealing my thunder a little bit. I'm going to tell you this now. Adam Gilchrist was the golden on... No. Platinum jiffy bag answer, <laughs> and all of you wanted it, and only one of you is going to get it. So you can all have nine points. Now shut up. Now give us your other answer, Russ. <clears throat> okay, so my answer is gone to English swimmer, British swimmer Adam Peaty, um, and he is an unbelievable athlete. He's broken 11 world records. He is currently the 100-meter breaststroke and the 50-meter breaststroke uh, world champion, uh, Olympic champion, and world record holder. He has dominated the field for quite some time. And, you know, in a very small field of athletes, I don't mean swimmers, I mean successful Adams, he is uh, right up <laughs> there. Very good. Uh, okay, uh, Ben. Um, so um, let's let's start with four Super Bowls um, and a very strong beard. Um, a man that kicked five hundred and ninety-nine out of seven hundred and fifteen field goals. Good stats. Um, Adam Vinatieri, who uh, is still playing at the age of forty-seven. So he was born in 1972, which for context is the same year as Dara Abreen. He's still still playing um, top class sport at that age. Um, For for further context, in an NFL um, light, that is the same year that Drew Bledsoe and Jerome Bettis were born. Um, And also uh, the great Aftab Habib. (laughs) <laughs> ben, I think Ben needs to contribute to uh, Wikipedia at the end of this, uh, this show. Oh, absolutely. But that's what else are we going to use? All right. Um, Doug, give us the answer that you got in well, with first I'll, and we were I'll waiting you, for. I'm not, I'm not even. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to change my answer. Um, I want to take you back to um, a long way back in history actually we're going to go um is this the garden of eden because there was an adam there yes (laughs) we are going back to the sixth day of planet earth um (laughs) geezer called adam rocks up on the uh on the have you got his surname adam god his name was um (laughs) molded out of clay could move like morph i guess but conquered the sport of life he's the only human male on earth who has ever shagged every woman on planet earth <laughs> he's just defeated the game of life that, yeah he is sport's greatest adam I, and had, I and had a chat with a snake 
Yeah. Oh, that bloody snake. <laughs> never wears any clothes. Never see his willy, though, do you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to point out that while Adam Gilchrist was the platinum jiffy bag answer and clearly sports greatest Adam in almost everyone's eyes who has eyes, um, he's not the Adam that has the highest test batting average for Australia. Oh, no. Who would that be for a bonus point? The highest, what, sorry? The highest, the Adam with the highest test batting average for Australia. Ant. <laughs> You're going to have a point for that anyway. Voges? Uh, uh, yeah, it's Adam Voges. Adam Voges has, and wait for it. Yeah, but he didn't, he, didn't he play like, 12 test matches and he then played, he... he played 20 test matches and he has a but batting did... average of 61.87 yeah but he, he started playing test cricket at the age of like 37 or something didn't he yeah he, was played, he played in the 2016 ashes didn't he was it 16 15 over here 15. yeah he did yeah yeah he did um the I think just another point just just uh just another point on our boy adam um qualified for the paralympics as well until god saw that what he'd done actually made walking difficult so separated adam and uh eve because they were originally created back to back sorry doug i had to give you lots of points for that um i mean it's a <laughs> it's a terrible shit answer but it really made me laugh so there you go right <laughs> um <laughs> the betting industry has been in the doldrums recently, as we know. Um, but in the interest of helping those lovely people out, what sporting bet would you like to place on events of the next 12 months? Obviously, please gamble responsibly. And when the fun stops, stop. We have to say that legally. Um, <laughs> ben, start us off. <laughs> um, to be honest, at the moment, I think all bets are off. Um, we've got no crowds, which I think will change change the way teams play and and the way home and away games work um there's back-to-back test matches coming up and those are always weird with results and there could be another lockdown any minute so you don't want to be betting on a season um so i don't know the way this year's going um trump being crucified live on tv from fenway park 100 to 1 i'll put a quid on it who's who's taking that bet (laughs) trump crucifying someone in fenway park that's (laughs) That's, 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 either, that's closer it? to evens, Tra- isn't it? Yeah. Trading at 101 on Betfair, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Russ. Um, I want to put a small bet on the Lions beating South Africa 3-0 next summer. I think of all the teams in yes. world rugby, um, the home nations combined can create a test team to beat South Africa. South Africa's game plan is is very simple, and but oh, extremely effective. Uh, huge power up front, massive specimens of men, and speed out wide. You know, uh, Umpimpi is that his name? I can't remember. I don't remember <laughs> if I pronounced that right or not. Um, the guy, the guys they've got on the wing are absolute rocket fuel. They're their nines are tenacious and they're quick. You've got Ryanak and, and Faf. Um, and then you've got the likes of Dialende and stuff in the centres. I firmly believe that the, the, the Lions will have too much skill, but also be able to rival them for, for power. So I will be putting £10 on a 3-0 Lion. Okay. Uh, Doug? Uh, I'm going to go for the... 
bet that I think would make you the most money, and that would be that the Kansas City Chiefs will go 19-0 and and be only the second team in NFL history to go undefeated throughout the course of a season. Um, the only major stumbling block in that, in the way of that, is the Baltimore Ravens with their quarterback, who's dates me for some inexplicable reason. Lamar Jackson. Um, Lamar Jackson. Um, I, th- I think that the combination of possibly the heir apparent Tom Brady's throne coming into a into a prime com- combined with uh, a huge compilation of assets that they've got on the offensive side of the ball if they can just switch on their defense for one season they will hose up and no one will get near them because the NFL seems to be the talent seems to be coming becoming thinner and thinner a bit in the way that the NBA goes where the best teams are assuming a lot of talent and the worst teams are just happy to be shit um, and tanking's a real thing in the NFL now, and there's three teams. Basically, the Chiefs will play six games a year against teams that haven't got a prayer of winning the Super Bowl for the next decade, much yeah. in the same way that New England did. So, yeah, I, I, and in what would be a, a somewhat of a serious answer for me, go and actually get the wheelbarrow out and put some money on Kansas City going undefeated next year. Imagine supporting Kansas City Chiefs your whole life and then a couple of years ago just stopping doing that and then and then they turn into this team. <laughs> or, or you kick the bucket just before they get good. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. I I actually did that. that, that let's let's don't don't panic listeners. Know. Dougie yeah. is very much still alive. Uh Chris, are you dead? <laughs> Okay, Lloyd, um, what's your bet? Okay, well, I'm going to take you across the other side of the world to Tokyo to the uh, postponed Olympics. Um, I think this is interesting because the Olympics works on, most Olympic sports work on a four-year cycle. So if things were normal, in inverted commas, everyone, all these athletes would be hitting peak right now. But now they've got an extra year that throws everything out of alignment. And also it means people can get back from fitness. People are going to lose form. People are going to get form. Um, and, and it's going to be down to probably quite a lot of um, teams and organizations getting their prep right is who's going to win a medal. So with that in mind, if you were looking for a flutter on this, these are some of the things to look out for and maybe put some money on. Number one, Dina Asher-Smith, the amazingly talented uh, British runner. Um, This is a girl who not only is an amazing runner, a world-class runner, but she also got a first in history uh, from, I think it's UCL, uh, whilst doing all this. King's College London. King's College, sorry, yeah. And it was a decent university, not like our our terrible party we went to. Um, And, um, you know, to medal in that, I'd also say Team GB, um, buckle in, everyone. Team GB are going to have a worse game than they had in Rio. Okay, and I reckon they'll finish outside the top five because Russia's going to come back as a competitive nation. China and America always put it in. The host Japan are going to win some. And France are going to probably do well as well because they're gearing up for an Olympics in Paris the next next way round. Um, but you also got um, Korea. They'll clean up in the, in the archery and pistol shooting. Put some money on that. Also, put some money on Caleb Drossel. 
He's already broken two of Phelps' records. And if you want a home um, banker in the gymnastics, I'm going to screw this pronunciation up here because um, I've written it so badly. Just give it to me. I'll sort it. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's more, more aspersions on the university women too here. Um, the Koei Inchimura, the, um, the veteran or will-be veteran gymnastic, you know, it's his home Olympics. It's his last hurrah. I would, I'd put money on him picking up a gold as well. Lloyd really doesn't want Doug to, to get going at 9.30, does he? Yeah, sorry, Doug. <laughs> You're not sorry. All right. Um, with that in mind, I'm going to read the next question really slowly. No, I'm not. Right. So Keir Starmer has accused Boris Johnson of winging it recently. Um, so who in sport has been winging it for years? Doug. Um... I'm not filling here, but I just need to find out what my answer is. So I'm just, I don't want to make... Such a shit bloke. <laughs> <laughs> These are for us. Yeah, so basically, other than me, um, anyone with the title <laughs> director of football. You're not in charge of the team. You don't pick the players. You don't make the transfers. You have no say over the tactics. It it's a it is the ultimate job for the boys. I, it, it's an absolute farce. I'm yeah. the director of football. I, you, your team haven't won for 15 games. Manager's fault. Yeah, manager's <laughs> fault. That, yeah. Harry Redknapp being appointed director of football at Portsmouth by um, Milan Mandrich. It was is the epitome of that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a nonsense. It's an utter nonsense. Um, it's not like American sports where you have a general manager that actually has some influence. It's basically a bloke who gets paid to turn up. And uh, well, if, if anyone can tell me what a director of football does, then please go ahead. <laughs> that could be the perfect answer. But let's see. Organized his community days would be answer one. <laughs> well, I could tell you what a director of football was, but I think that would sort of take you over time, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, all I right. know is whenever I put, whenever I get one on Football Manager, all they do is suggest that I buy really shit players, and then you get sacked. Yeah, yeah. Just, just ignore them. As soon as they appoint a director, it's, it's like the vote of dread of a good dread of confidence, isn't it? They appoint a director of football. You're already you, you're five yeah, games. You're on the way out. <laughs> Thanks for coming. And that's what Leslie did at Southampton for the last few years, and you know we went backwards. To be fair, you should have signed Keith Skill. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that joke, nobody else will get. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I did weirdly. All Jason right. Piss flaps would be a good uh, director yeah, of football. J- Jason Piss flap and Keith Skill. <laughs> <laughs> right, Ben, who's been winging it for years? I'm gonna, I'm gonna use some phrases now. Use it. I can see no reason to not award a try. His hands are moving backwards, but the momentum. St- the people who make rugby's laws, rugby's lawmakers, you might want to call them, um, they just bring stuff in. His hands weren't pointing forward. I mean, he's chucked it a yard forward, mate. It doesn't matter what direction his hands are pointing in. Um, now they've got the video ref to deal with. You've got 
all these rules being brought in to deal with head injuries that don't deal with head injuries. They just make the game unwatchable. And now they're thinking about an orange card. <laughs> Lovely. Right. Uh, That's not the worst thing they're thinking of. They're thinking about summer rugby for amateurs. Oh. That'll kill sport. That's me bed. retired. Fucking kill my bank balance if rugby goes summer. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um... There are lots and lots and lots of football managers that have been winging it for years. The likes of Steve Bruce that continually seem to get quite high profile jobs despite never actually winning anything, being more than mediocre and just, you know, just being bang average. One of the epitome, I think, of the bang average repeated manager hiring is Mark Hughes. He... He he had a decent playing career. He was revered. He was abrasive. He played for the Man United. He played for Barcelona. He played for Bayern Munich, Chelsea, Southampton, Everton, Blackburn. <laughs> right, right. He's he's played seven hundred and ninety nine uh, league career league games, scoring two hundred twenty four goals. Um, his managerial career is less than illustrious. In 610 managerial games, he uh, had a win ratio of a win percentage of 37.4%. He, as a player, won the Premier League. He won FA Cups. He won the Cup Winners' Cup. As a manager, as a manager, he won manager Premier League Manager of the Month 2007. Yet until 2018, was still being hired by Premier League teams. It just beggars belief that, that these guys continually over and over again manage to get jobs. Just destroy an exit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Lloyd. Okay, um, so the guy I would say made a career of winging it only really looked like he was winging it, but underneath this effortlessness was actually a, a real honed uh, athlete, someone who actually really did care, but he didn't look like he did. Uh, and I still think a lot of people today, particularly sort of the, the, the true football um, sort of people still sort of think about this. And it's Matt Letizier. He is uh, someone who made an absolute career of doing stuff that looked spontaneous. He's all ability. And therefore, he didn't have to work hard and hard and hard and hard. I think the, the, the best thing that sums this up, when Alan Ball became Southampton manager in 1994... Um, when they were really staying relegation and defence, got the boys all round. They said, "Right, this is what is going to happen. You get the ball, you get it. The tears. He'll sort. He'll do the rest." That is a man who's really, really good. He is an absolutely top lad as well. Um, so I met him a couple of years ago, and they say, "Don't meet your heroes." Nah, this guy is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and I asked him about a goal that looked effortless, and it was just a free kick he did against Wimbledon, and he went, "Oh no, no, no! We practiced that really, really hard." But you wouldn't know it by looking and watching him play. And I think actually, in a weird way, and I think this is a particular English football disease, when we get players like that who look effortless, people reject them because they don't appear to be working hard. And yet, you know, therefore, England missed out on a really great creative player that could have done a lot of good for England in the mid-90s. Do you, do you think, why, why do you think he didn't have 100 caps for England? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, 
the, the, the argument would be down our way. Um, I'm, a, I'm a proud New Forester. Um, would be very simple. He played for Southampton. If he <laughs> played for Spurs, he'd gone to Chelsea, you know, he would have got way more caps. It's as simple as that. Thing is, he played he played in a in an era with Alan Shearer, Teddy Sheringham, uh, Andy Cole, who didn't get anywhere near enough England caps, but never really did it on the international stage. Ian Wright, there were a lot of good strikers, and Letizia was the main man at Southampton, wasn't he? But he never really fitted into any other sort of structured system. You know, he's playing up front with James Beatty for the love of God. Well, he. Thing is about free him, role, uh, would you yeah, say? No, I, I, yeah, but but that's not going to translate always to yeah. the international stage, is it? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I would say the time he was in his pomp was when Venables was there, and there was a lot of rumours flying around that Venables wanted him at Spurs and he didn't move. There was a lot of stuff like that. Um, and then you would have thought Glenn Hoddle, who's managed to follow him, had the same problem. You would have played him, but no. So um, I, I still go back to this idea of you know being at Southampton. And the perceived lack of work ethic, I think, it was a big problem for him. You yeah. can make up, you can you can forgive work ethic if you've got the ability to uh, bang it in from thirty-five yards in. Well, you think, wouldn't courts. you? But you know, say the that, That's what Russ has been telling himself for the last twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> James <laughs> Beatty only had three less England caps than Matt, Matt Letizia. No, yeah, it's mental, isn't it? That's crazy. Okay. Right, let's let's make the next one a relative quickie if we can, and I'll start taking points off if you go on too long. Um, it's about time we dedicated a question to you, Russ. I love that. Um, there you go. <laughs> Who is sports' greatest bald man? Um, <laughs> ben, start us off. Um, I, I thought I'd go for sort of an old school baldy. So from before the time when um, shaving your head became sort of socially acceptable um you, people used to get a good fringe um so i've gone for um jordan lechkov from the great bulgarian side of 94 scored the winner against uh germany did he have the little did he have the little island on top yeah, there he, he effectively had a fringe around the side a little island on the top and more hair on his eyebrows than his actual head Steve McLaren Island, isn't it? <laughs> Air Island. Extra point for the island. I watched the highlights of that game the other day. Fantastic. Um, I just absolutely euphoric at the time. When England weren't there at that World Cup and then Germany losing in the quarterfinals to anybody. It was amazing. Uh, okay, Douglas. Andre Agassi. Shit sport. Bald head. <laughs> <laughs> Extra point. Me- mediocre wife. <laughs> okay, Lloyd. She was good at tennis. Um, okay, so uh, my my greatest baldy of all time is Joanna Rousel. <laughs> and, uh, I'll tell you for why. Men can expect to lose hair. This this um, this athlete, she suffered from alopecia at the age of ten. And I, I I teach secondary school, and and throughout particularly my early part of career when I taught in England. Um, you know, if uh, girls' self-esteem was always, you know, really low. So imagine going through those formative years with, without that hair. But no, she picked herself up. She got out on a bike track and she was exceptionally fast. She was really the anchor of the pursuit team that won the Olympics in 2012, 2016. When she retired, she said this, and I quote, the decision to step away has been the hardest thing I've ever had to make. I believe I have more to offer the world. That's what she said as she retired. She's not done yet. 
she gets she i wasn't sure whether you were going with a piss take answer there or you no, actually went you not. went the no. correct way i love that that was superb um right russell um firstly i just want to take slight issue with lloyd's answer because the question is sports are greatest of a bold man um but we'll leave it there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well um, whatever. very quickly uh sports greatest ever bold man is uh pierluigi Colina. This, the arguably the scariest official ever to uh, to grace a football pitch had ultimate and complete control of pretty much every football match I ever saw him officiate. The players never seemed to mess with him. They never seemed to uh, answer him back. They never seemed to engage in debate with him. He made his decision. He stared at them like he was a whiting that had just been pulled out of the deep depths of the ocean. And, uh, yeah, they just carried on. And probably the best uh, football official ever to have officiated the game. Completely hairless. Completely hairless. I, I imagine head to toe, I assume. But, you know, Definitely. Was right, that smooth, on the last show? Smooth <laughs> Completely hairless. <laughs> they, they tried shut to get up, him to... Shut um, up, smooth dick. <laughs> they tried to get him to uh, referee in the Premier League, didn't they? After he finished in Italy, and he, he didn't bite. It's just a bit odd. But, oh, um, it? Yeah, it'll be good to see him over here. All right, I'm going to shock you now, Russell. You're in the lead on 100 points. Um, oh. Lloyd's on 93. Doug's on 85. Ben's on 95. Um, any other business time? Um, Doug, start us off, just in case you have to yeah, leave. Yeah, because then I'm going to bolt. Um, it's my mate's 40th today, and I forgot. So. I'm a good pal. Um, <laughs> so, you know, as if lockdown wasn't a big enough piss take, I uh, got offered my first job since the lockdown happened. I think you can all guess what it was. <laughs> <laughs> How is Tashkent at this time of year? <laughs> <laughs> Tash Kent, I think I went to school with her. Capital of Uzbekistan, I think you'll find. <laughs> Sorry for um, ruining yeah. fun with accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> Not so funny, that. it's accurate. Um, yeah. Uh, luckily, it got rescinded. The offer got rescinded about five hours later, as they overbooked. So I don't have to. I don't have to put myself. Um, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. I must go and be a somewhat better friend to my friend than I've actually been. Um, you know, oh, just one more thing. I, as part of my job as a landscaper today, I had to move a very rich person's pile of compost that had obviously been decomposing in the corner of their garden for about 15 years. Uh, we filled up an entire skip with the best quality compost I've ever seen in my life only for the wife of the family to drive up at the end of the day and unload a 60-litre polythene bag full of compost she'd bought from home base. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, chaps. See you, mate. Nice to you, Doug. Cheers, you too, mate. Thanks. <laughs> right. Um, needless to say, Doug's not going to be in the final. Um Unless the three of you have such catastrophic any other business businesses business business call him back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any other business? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> <It's Latin. later. laughs> 
Right. Uh, Lloyd. <laughs> Lloyd, why don't you uh, give us some Eastern European and any other business? Okay, so um, my, my OB is really just... Um, uh, we've been in lockdown in Romania for actually quite a bit longer than, than it has been in the UK. Um, so I, um, when they... I work in an international school and in February, we got quite a lot of Chinese kids that were coming back after New Year's and we're like, oh, hang on. So we started very quietly to sort of think about it. And then they announced it very quickly. And I've been teaching from home to kids online for the last 10 weeks. But because I live on my own, I haven't actually really had actually any kind of physical interaction with anyone for the last 10, 12 weeks. I, I've lost track of how long we've been in. Um, I go home in a couple of weeks and I can't wait to, I'm just going to see my family and hug my parents, which would be nice. But the other thing I wanted to just say is seeing what's happened in, in the UK compared to over here, it's been an absolute shock. I mean, I, I, I probably, you're probably aware of this, but honestly, the UK is an absolute nightmare of all this. Um, you know, Romania is a Eastern European country, post-communist, but the way that they've been very clear in exactly what everyone has to do has been light years ahead of what Boris Johnson and his cronies have managed to do, you know, over in the UK. Uh, and it's it's just unbelievable watching it from here. Just it's, e- it's easier said than do. done. It's easier said than done, though, when probably a large portion of the population is still pretty conformist and do as they're told. Um, it's it's not in, com- in, co- in comparison. I wouldn't. I would disagree with that. I, I think it's just been it's just been clear. Um, they said this is what's happening. You, you, you're going into lockdown. Everyone's in. Uh, I, I live I live bang in the middle of the city, so most of the the day there's a lot of cars going by. But for for weeks and weeks and weeks, it's you could you could hear the birds, you can hear everything out there. I mean, it's been properly in lockdown, and the way that they've gone back out of lockdown has been really clear and systematic and made sense. And it's just been because what they've done is just the, all the communications run through the president. He's the one that's been announcing it. You know, anything, any disagreement has been hammered out before they announce to the people. It's just been, in terms of communication, so much more clearer. And that's been what's happened. They've been, you know, pretty, pretty big on, on, on finding people. The police have made lots of money through fines. And there was a lot of discontrol, you know, disquiet about that. But uh, I wouldn't say, you know, the people in Romania are more conformist than anyone else. You know, I, I think it's just been it's part of, of of that communication. But seeing what's happened in in the UK from afar, it's been a real eye opener. I would say, in general, the population. You you know it a lot more than I do, Lloyd. So I'm, I'm I don't really want to you know cast aspersions or go into it too often. But historically. The the populate the uh, no. In fact, I'm not even going to say it because you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, R- Romanians don't, really don't behave mean... like dicks like they do in the UK. Correct, correct. And it was more, <laughs> it was more, it was more disparaging to on the UK population where yeah. people just go, we don't give a fuck. Whereas the people, the respect and the levels of um, conformity to authority as to say right these are the messages this is what we need to do as opposed to these are the messages these are the these these this is another group of people saying these messages aren't clear enough and another group of people going these messages are bullshit it just makes it makes a mockery of the whole situation whereas if you've got a a system where people 
are able to have clear and consistent and con- uh, transparent messaging, then it makes it a lot easier to follow. It's probably yeah, well, less, you um, just made my point for me. Yeah, yeah no, hundred percent. I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. The, I'm hundred percent agreeing with you. It's just. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably less. Um, it's probably less conformity rather than. Uh, le- it's not so much that. It's mo- they've got less of a ingrained sense of entitlement that yeah. seems hundred percent. Yeah, to be yeah. That, that's a country. That's a much better I, way of putting it. From here, I don't know whether you you'd agree with this. It was VE day. It seems that everyone in the UK seems to be working fine. Yeah, they were behind, but then VE day happened, and it, it seemed to me. From, from here and actually a lot of other expats that I've sort of been talking to that everyone just kind of went mad oh well V day let's all have a party and then from there it just seems to have just gone downhill <laughs> yeah you, um, could, you could say that about Britain since the actual VD well yeah you could, could you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, where where on earth are we? Right, Doug's gone, Lloyd's gone, uh, Ben any other business? Well as, as it's been uh, some fairly um, important subjects in the last two or three minutes, I'm going to keep it up there and, and I'm going to talk about my hair. Um, so, <laughs> Fuck, he says, wearing my a cap. Any, why are you stealing my any other business, mate? <laughs> so, um, at, at the start <laughs> of... Uh, <laughs> towards the start of lockdown, uh, my hair had already got quite long and um, we did a little homemade hair cutting arrangement of a grade one up the sides and the top stayed on and it was all right. And then we went with it and lockdown lasted longer than we thought. And yesterday we tried it again. But the hair on the top of my head got so long that I looked like Bert off Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, we decided we'd have to remedy it. And, and more clippers came out and more um, guards on the clippers came out and uh, at at some stage, it was like uh, in The Simpsons when Mr. Burns tells that guy to cut his sideburns. <laughs> um, so so long, story, long story short, I'm wearing a hat a lot at the moment. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, Russ, any other business? Um, Talk about your hair. Well, yeah, that's that done. Don't take um, long. <laughs> I... I... I toyed and wrestled a lot of my ear business today to the point where I'm I can't really submit one because I'm so exasperated I'm so annoyed with well I'm just everything in general at the moment like I'm, I'm pretty angry but just internally and I've got no reason to be and I've got no Nothing. A lot of people feel like that at the moment. It's really odd. It's really odd, and it's just—it's not a nice feeling. And you know, I'm not. I will, as you well know, make jokes about any subject. I've got no problem saying stuff that often doesn't need to be said. Um, But at the moment, I'm I'm struggling to even, you know, make make a ill-judged joke out of stuff. Because even since Madeleine McCann's been back in the even, even since some German pedo has now been accused of, um, you know, saying Madeleine McCann. And, you know, apparently it's what, in fact, no, here we go. Here we go. You've just given me something. <laughs> Strap in. Right, yourself in. They, how have they just discovered in the last however many days that there was a convicted German pedophile 
living, who appeared to be living in Pride de Luche at the same time as Madeleine McCann went missing. Is this just a, is this a made up link or are they just, you know, are they just shoehorning some German pedo into the frame because they've got nothing else? I am, you know, how quickly coronavirus seems to have been forgotten for a couple of days because of all the other stuff that's going on in the world. Social distancing, apparently, in some areas doesn't seem to mean a fucking thing anymore because literally nobody gives a fuck. Um, If everybody in the world just took everybody else on face value when they meet them, don't don't judge them, don't cast aspersions. I know this is absolutely utopia and easier said than done. And I've just called somebody I've never met a German pedo. Um, which I'm well aware is hypocritical and I'm, I'm wrapping myself up. Circle, Isn't he convicted? He is convicted. He's yeah. convi- so I think you're, you're fine. <laughs> there, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll, I'll give you points. I wasn't but, sure if I but, should, but you know, but, there we are. But how, how easy would, would life be if we just, you know, just approached it and gone, you know what? You don't have to come into my, like, do you remember personal space? Do you remember when personal space was a thing? Get out of my personal space. Yeah. Three weeks you know, ago. <laughs> but, but even before coronavirus just a bit of personal space give me some personal space surely that's all everybody just needs to instill now with with coronavirus isn't it just give me a bit of personal space away we go let's move I, on i i miss when everyone was arguing about the color of the uk passport i miss that you know, that that the world was a fantastic place back back then when we were it was it was it let's be honest it was a shit place then it's it's, a shit place now it's good definitely got worse on a lighter note i've had my garden semi-landscaped and uh it wasn't doug that did it so that's a pass (laughs) (laughs) points for that um in fact looking at the scores doug are you are you still here you, you, what, what's that you say? You think Saracens should be awarded the premiership? Do you deny that? <laughs> he doesn't deny it. He's not denying I it. I think his, his silence speaks volumes. Um, anyway, he, uh, he is in last place on 94 points. Lloyd, you don't make the final either on debut, I'm afraid, with on 102. I mean, this, re- this all really, really, really matters. Um, <laughs> Ben on 110 and Russ on 112 are going to be in this week's final and defend the undefendable. And who was second? Because we have to, I can't remember why. Ben Ben was second. Ben, you were second. So would you like your 22 seconds clock? Would you like to go first or second? I think I'll go first. Okay. Um, You can have, and I'm definitely not running out of ideas with this. Um, the West Indies cricket team should force all their players to tour England, despite coronavirus concerns, because they're a bad enough team at full strength. Well, I, I just think that's true. I mean, they've got that um, spin bowler who's like nine feet tall, so he'll be <laughs> above the clouds of infected air anyway. Um, and basically, the ECB need the money, so um, all the other teams should do as they're told, uh, just to keep Giles Clark in uh, public paid Jaguars. Two seconds, one second. There was a bit of dead air on the end there. Russ. We all know that's a crime. If you, if you did it in 20 seconds like a proper programme, that would have been a perfect answer. Who would who do this in 20 seconds? It would be like they're ripping us off. <laughs> Russell, 22 seconds. The 2020 Six Nations Tournament should just be awarded to Ireland because they've got the best fans. 
Irish fans are arguably the most passionate and the most informed and the most uh, forgiving of all the of all the fans in world rugby. Now they've had to put up with some hard times in the past. And I think at the moment, you know, they've got a great team and they're a great bunch and they all love to have a Guinness. You've filled your 22 seconds. That is a winning performance there, Russell. Well done. I I should Um, have picked question two. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bank of that one. Have have an open goal, Russ. (laughs) (laughs) Just a trap in. There we go. Um, It's a shame. Obviously, if Doug was here, he would have had that question, um, whichever whichever way he uh, thought he was going to go, first or second, not in the final. He'd have still had to defend that. Um, but there we go. Ireland, 2026 Nations champions. And Russ, punching chat X champion. Congratulations. Woohoo! Thanks, mate. That was awesome. Again, thank you to people that submitted questions or the person that submitted questions this week. I know Patrick has put a couple in. Which might well, has be, it? Uh, I need to, I'll, we'll get those in next which week. Which might be good for, for future weeks. Um, we might be back next week for Punchy Chat 11, if you want. Um, we might be having some rugby soon. I don't know. But this is still fun. Uh, Lloyd, thanks for joining us for International Punchy Chat, live from Bucharest. That was your more welcome. That was uh, good fun there, boys. And yeah. You're always welcome. Uh, always welcome back. And um, I can't promise to to ha- ever air the episode where you you talked about Romanian rugby. Was, for the I was going to bring you up on that. It was it was the rugby in Dubai. Dubai was it? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that. So, with the greatest respect, that's how much I remember it. And I lost. <laughs> and I, lost... I, I, I puzzled over that, and I just thought I must have been that shit that it, it, no. it was no good for consumption. It, it was. It wasn't even that. I think we we recorded it in like a little interim period about something. I don't even know why we were we were on a break. Maybe it was like end of season, or there wasn't much going on, and then. Um, I just didn't put it out and it was all sat there ready. And then my laptop died and I had to re like basically format it. And it was like, Oh, well that's gone. I'm not worried. It's not a problem. I, I will say actually, um, speaking of Romania, they've just, or they're about to finish building the new rugby stadium in, um, in Bucharest. Um, so, um, when they, they're playing the, the, the second tier six nations in February, I yeah, genuinely boys, think, I genuinely think that, that, that would be incredible. Yeah. Um, Lloyd, you've missed off the most pertinent piece of information about that. Well, ground I was about as well. to come to that. It's across the roads, Europe's biggest beer hall. <laughs> so we need to have a, a mall over away weekend in Bucharest. Uh, watch some second tier sort of Six Nations, whatever they call it, the rugby. <laughs> The rugby fucking League One, whatever they call it. And why, uh, why if if they've put the stadium opposite the world's biggest beer hall, why are Italy still in the Six Nations? Yeah. <laughs> and also, I, I know the uh, the Egg Chasers do their their European tour and stuff. Maybe we should invite anybody who listens to them all over. And if you've got this far and you're up for a weekend in Bucharest <laughs> next year, Russ, he said the world's biggest beer hall, not the world's smallest. <laughs> it doesn't it's matter. Europe's- I should clarify Europe's biggest. We'll, we'll have a great time, whatever happens. But we we are going to when the when the fixtures are announced and when if if and when we're actually going to be allowed to sit in a crowd and watch rugby, we will organise a weekend in Bucharest. We're not all going to stay in Lloyd's flat. That's a fact. Um, we will. You'll have to find your own accommodation. 
Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> however um, let's have a week in the Bucharest. Go to the Europe's biggest beer hall and get yellow jerseys on and um, have a great time. Done. Right. Anyway, uh, thank you, Lloyd. It's a pleasure. Ben, no Adam, thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back for uh, Punch and Chat XI, I guess, next week. <laughs> X, no, sorry, Punch and Chat X1 next week. <laughs> Prick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. One hour and four minutes. Go well. Podcast Network.